When the wicked perish outside of Christ, where do they go? And what do you make of those who have said to have gone to hell or had some sort of vision of hell and have come back? And what is Sheol, Hades, the lake of fire, and hell as referred to in the scriptures? The Good Fight Radio Show. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at the doctrine of hell, a very important doctrine for us to discuss. And with me to discuss this very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Well, Chad, not one of the brightest subjects to talk about, but one of the most important subjects to talk about because... Uh, Jesus said most people will go through that broad gate that leads to destruction, and uh, very few go through the narrow gate. So we need to we need to talk about it, and it frankly uh, needs to be talked about a lot more from the pulpits in the ch- around the churches around the world. Amen. It does seem to be uh, a topic that isn't brought up a lot. You don't hear a lot about it, uh, even in gospel presentations. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, especially if you turned on anything on the TV, typically you're going to hear about you know. Uh, so Joel Osteen may give you some sort of gospel message and welcome you into the family of God, but Jesus had a lot to say yeah. about hell. And it is important for us to look at the scriptures, and I do think there it's amazing when you start to really see how well of a picture that we're painted when you go from the Old Covenant all the way through to the New Covenant. And Joe, this all stems actually from a recent letter, a handwritten letter that was actually received, and I want to read from it because... Uh, she had a lot of questions, and so I want to read a little bit about not only, and they're very specific on the questions, but just some of the encouragement that was written in on. And this is from our sister in Christ, Sarah Marie, and she said, Dear Pastor Joe Schimmel and Brother Chad Davidson, I would first like to thank you for all of your hard work and the hours of content available on YouTube through Good Fight Ministries and Blessed Hope Chapel. The videos are very interesting and cover a wide range of important topics that few others even touch upon, and I greatly appreciate it. I never miss a single one. I also love and have rented almost all of the documentaries, exposés on Vimeo. Keep up the good work. Now, Joe, she has uh, a number of questions, and I want to thank you so much for supporting the ministry, writing into us. It really is a blessing, and I know I'm excited to read some of the questions because This is a topic, as she even said on there, that a lot of people don't want to talk about. A lot of people don't want to talk about the doctrine of hell, but because we have it in the scriptures and because we have it over and over again talked about in the scriptures, specifically by Jesus, it's also in the book of Revelation. I mean, over and over again, we really do need to touch on this topic. So, Joe, I'm going to get right into some of the questions that she asked because there are a number of questions. And the first one, and this one It's so interesting, Joe, because this letter came in and you and I were just talking with someone about 23 minutes in hell. And it just came up. It just came up in a conversation with some friends recently and what you thought about it. So now we have it on a show to ask the question. Quote, what are your thoughts on brothers such as Bill Weiss and Brian Melvin who claim that they have been to or seen hell in either a vision or by going and coming back. Yeah, I personally, uh, some will just discount, discount any kind of experience, Chad, where somebody had an experience where they, you know, were able to see hell or what have you. And you can't scripturally say that God can't give somebody that kind of experience because then you're going beyond scripture. 
because there's no scripture that says that God couldn't do that for someone. However, uh, a lot of the testimonies of people that go to heaven or hell are unbiblical, you know? And so you need to take them out, you know, test them with scripture. And I look at, you know, whether it's Brian Melvin or, uh, for instance, 23 Minutes in Hell, Bill Weiss, his is way more, had been way more popular than that of Melvin's. And I look at what they're saying about hell. Both these guys are trying to couch it in a lot of scripture, but there's a lot of things, there's certain things that aren't scriptural. And I have to always, we always chat and we say it to everybody. First Corinthians 4, 7 says, not to go beyond what is written. And we have to test everything in light of scripture, test everything. First Timothy, or First Thessalonians 5, 22 and 23, hold fast to that which is good. And you always put scripture above experience. And when I've looked at their testimonies, uh, there's things that are just blatantly unscriptural. Uh, in fact, uh, Bill Weiss, and he's, as I mentioned, he's got the, probably the most popular hell experience outside of the rich man in Luke chapter 16, you know, that's ever been uh, repeated. And I looked at his testimony, I'm like, hmm, nah, that doesn't match scripture. This was, you know, some time ago, but his, it's still all over the place on the internet. And uh, it's interesting because Chad and brothers and sisters, he expresses that demons are running things in hell and that they're kind of the bosses in hell. And uh, he mentions having seen the same demon that he mentions Kenneth Hagin saw. And right when he's quoting Kenneth Hagin, uh-huh. I'm wondering, is God really going to vouchsafe such an experience to this man when he's promoting a prosperity teacher? Not just any old prosperity teacher either. He, he's, the, he's the granddaddy of the word faith movement, the name it and uh, claim it, grab, lab and grab it. Uh, he teaches, you know, Kenneth Hagin, uh, claims to have seen this entity. And he goes, I saw the same demon that he saw. And Kenneth Hagen, though, has been a proven liar. I mean, you've got to be truthful here. Uh, he plagiarized uh, books by E.W. Kenyon. Uh, he claims in his books to ha- get revelation knowledge when Jesus appears to him and he gets these visions, you know, heaven, hell, and what have you. And then Jesus appearing to him. And then he writes down these statements that Jesus says. Well, there's a book came out some years ago uh, by D.R. McConnell, which I'd read. Thought it was a great book. It was the master's thesis actually for this guy in his university he went to, and that, which was ironically, you know, uh, a pretty heretical university. But this guy was like, "Wait, this movement which that university embraced uh, is evil," and he does the whole book on it. And what he does in that book, he shows the granddaddy, D.R. McConnell. The book's another gospel. If you want to check it out, he actually goes into Kenneth Hagen and he and he shows how E.W. Kenyon is a, just a total, you know, he's a false teacher. He, mixed mind science with Christianity and we are gods and all that. And he shows how he has like column, columns with Kenneth Hagin on one side, E.W. Kenyon on the other with block quotes where Kenneth Hagin is basically plagiarizing and block quotes from E.W. Kenyon, but putting it in the mouth of Jesus, claiming this was what Jesus revealed to him while he's quoting and plagiarizing E.W. Kenyon, bringing the word faith stuff over into the Christian church in the name of a different, actually a, a made up Jesus. I mean, his fabricated Jesus. So when you're telling me you saw the same demon that Kenneth Hagin saw, I'm like, mm, I don't know about that, dude. And then it gets even worse than that because uh, he goes beyond that and he says, and I, I'll quote him, bro, the demons run your life in hell. The smell of these demons and the smell in hell are so atrocious, I can't even describe it to you. Yeah, I'm wondering if you can't describe it to me because you really, really weren't there because he's saying the demons run things in hell. That is so unbiblical, you guys. You see, when Satan is eventually cast into hell and his demons, right, the host of heaven haven't even been judged yet. They're awaiting the judgment of the great day and they're reserved in chains of darkness in Tartarus and 
that's different than where humans are placed right now. One day, Satan is called, you know, a spirit. He's an evil, he's evil, as the scriptures say. And the demons are called evil spirits. One day, Chad, as you know, all these fallen angels, Satan and his angels, uh, will be cast into hell. And the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus said that hell was created for the devil and his angels. And the host of heaven haven't ultimately been judged yet. So it's interesting because both uh, Brian Melvin and Weiss, the two men she asked about, both these, these men teach that the demons are running things and tormenting people in hell. And we don't see that in Scripture. You see that in extra-biblical writings, you know. Uh, and Michael Heiser points that out in extra-biblical writings, and sometimes he latches on to extra-biblical things too much. And I think people think that augments what these guys are saying. But the Scriptures say the opposite. The Scriptures say that hell was created for the devil's angels, and it's the context of judgment, right? And a couple of other points along those lines is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, which we're teaching through right now, and I just taught on it recently, verse 6, where... Uh, you don't put someone as an elder, a new convert, as an elder too quick, because he can be incur- he will incur the same, the same condemnation, condemnation as the devil. Yeah. You know, so same condemnation that Satan's going to receive, that guy can receive. Satan will be in condemnation in hell. And what's amazing about that, Chad, in Revelation chapter twenty, verse ten, when Satan is cast into the lake of fire, there in verse ten, it says he's thrown where the beast and the false prophet are, are. Yeah. and it's to be tormented. And in Isaiah chapter fourteen, if you look at verses nine through. 12 or so there, you'll see that when Satan is cast down to the pit, uh, rather than him tormenting people, because he has picture, he, he says they're trying to tear my limbs from me, myself, and their demons would usher me into this cell. I'm talking about Weiss right now. And I'm like, no, that is not what, that did not happen to you. Because when you read in Isaiah 14, it's kind of interesting. Satan isn't tormenting people. It's almost like he's being tormented a little bit by people because they're saying, they look narrowly upon him, though it's kings of the earth and so forth. And they're saying, you're the one, one who ruled the nation. You're the yeah. one who made the world like a, a wilderness. They're kind of yeah. mocking him, kind of smack talking him. He's not tormented anyway. That's not what's going down in hell. Uh, what's going down in hell is Satan will be tormented right along with everybody else. So we don't see these testimonies as, as scriptural. Uh, we do believe that's very likely, and we uh, we actually have some of them that say they sold their souls for rock and roll. You know, somebody you know has a death near death experience. It's, it's you know uh, he, he he all of a sudden. His heart stops. The doctor brings back. You go, save me. I'm in hell. You know, which could actually be a literal experience, perhaps that God allowed, or it could be a vision that God is giving him. This yeah. is where you're going. It could just be simply a vision or a nightmarish dream where God warns him. So we have to be really careful with these things, though, brothers and sisters, because you can end up getting into some messed up doctrines. And that, by the way, is is a messed up doctrine because you start teaching that. That plays in the hands of what Satan wants people to believe. Satan is the one that yeah. says he rules in hell. In fact, we show and they sold their souls for rock and roll. We have a whole section on hell where you have all these Ozzy Osbourne. Hey, we're going to go to hell and we'll have a party. We're all, I'll be there. And everybody's like, yeah, it's such a lie. And they, they you know, we're going to be Satan's servants there and we're going to rule hell. That's so unbiblical. That plays into Satan's hands. It's an unbiblical teaching. Yeah. And it's one of those things when you hear these, you know, these stories and so forth. And I, when you see the connection there, obviously with Kenneth Hagin, as soon as that's going on, you're like, oh, what is, what is up here? Yeah. But, you know, and I've read, you know, something like, it was very interesting. I remember reading, and it was one of Mark Cahill's books. It was either uh, The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven or One Heartbeat Away. But in one of them, he describes how Charles Barkley's brother came to him. He said, really hard for a black guy to look white as a ghost, but he did. And he said he came to him, and he said, what happened? And he said, I had this dream. And in this dream, Charles Barkley, yeah. Charles Barkley's brother, yeah. 
And he said he had this dream and that he there was a lake there with fire and there was screaming and all this stuff going on. And he goes, you know what that was, right? And he used it to try to share the gospel with him. And he's like, well, he knows it's true. He knows deep down yeah, that this Lord, whole thing's true. Bring Chuck to you, convict him. And he wow. said that Chuck's brother right there, even though he knew it was all true, he said he still wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to give up that life. And it's sad because talking about Charles Barkley, you know, big celebrity, all this stuff. But it wasn't even that he was that. Like, he was just his brother going on the coattails of his brother, and still he wasn't willing to give up that lifestyle to follow Christ. Really a sad right. and heartbreaking situation. Yeah, that is. And, and maybe I should say just a little bit more, on the, yeah. because Melvin, or I should say Brian Melvin, his is the newer version of this. But he says some things that are, I, I looked at his testimony, I'm like, ah, and I'll just cut hit this quick, is he has like appearing for the Lord in some way, who's on this like ledge and comes and meets him because he thinks he's going to heaven, then he's sent the other way. And he gets, a, a, you know, this foreboding kind of judgment. And it's like, there's no scripture that says we stand before the Lord to be judged right now. That's in Revelation 20, and that comes after Hades and, and so forth, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I thought, ah, you know, he's got that off, and he's getting tormented by demons too, or he sees them tormenting people and so forth. And, and he sees Hitler, and Hitler is being tormented over and over again. The way Hitler gets tormented, he says, God revealed to him that Hitler, everybody that he, six million Jews and what have you, everybody that he destroyed, he'll be destroyed just like each one of those. He'll go through what, their death over and over and over again. And that doesn't fit Revelation 20, which talks about the great white throne judgment, which is still future. And that and that's when you're judged out of the, from the book out of things you did and you suffer the consequences. We don't see, Now, you're still in a place of torment, but you're not being tormented for all the things you've done. That happens later. So I said, okay, he has that off too as well. And then he also says that people had times of rest where they're just resting. They're allowed to rest in their cells for a while. Then demons come and torment them. Then they can rest again. And man, well, the scriptures talk about, I don't, see, no rest I don't see rest night. in Hades. You got the rich man, you know, he's not resting. And in Revelation 20, at the Great Way Throne Judgment, there's no rest day and night forever and ever. Amen. So again, very these guys are very unscriptural in a lot of areas. As hard as they try to be scriptural, which makes me think they're trying to fabricate it. Uh, you know, we aren't supposed to, you know, somebody says, oh, somebody heard that and they got saved. Well, Paul said in Philippians that sometimes the gospels preach with wrong motives but the gospel is still preached. So somebody could fear God because they hear some truth about hell through somebody's false testimony, but we still wouldn't encourage people to listen to a false testimony, even though uh, some good came out of it. Yeah, and I, and I think, Joe, you've given this analogy a number of times, and and, and I, I think it, it holds true, you know, when it comes to the, even those testimonies. And it's like, if you were out in the Sahara Desert and you found this this water and it was mucky and disgusting, but you're just anything to, you're to, dying of thirst, to drink yeah. from because you're dying of thirst— and you take a sip of that, you know, once you had enough strength to get out of there, you wouldn't go back to get in, in, in that yeah. disgusting dirt. And this stuff has polluted, it's polluted yeah. water. That's right. And maybe God can use it in some way to keep you surviving, to get you to the true living water. But ultimately, when you have that that just mangled up mess of nonsense that it just doesn't correlate with the Word of God, we have the written Word, so let's stick to it. Amen. So, Joe... Outside of those things that are outside of Scripture, now she had some questions about what Scripture actually teaches regarding some of these things. So the question is, is there a current, she calls it hell, is there a current hell where people are actually in torment right now? Yeah, Chad, and uh, you and I both like to emphasize that uh, there's a place called Hades, so it's kind of mislabeled hell right now because the Greek word that's used of the current place of torment is, is... Hades, if you want to use the English way we say that Greek word, uh, the popular way. 
And that is a place, Chad, that you and I are very aware of because it's very clear in Scripture and many of you. And when you go to Luke, because uh, some people say, oh, no, well, the lake of fire is later. And it is. But they, they make, they, first of all, what they do is they make a false equivocation as though hell, Hades, lake of fire is all the same. It's not. Yeah. They're two distinct places. And Hades is where people go right now uh, when they die. So if someone dies right now and they reject the Lord, uh, they'll go to the place called Hades. And in Luke chapter 16, and I know we got to cover more things and we're trying to make good time today, but in uh, Luke 16, the rich man dies and he ends up in Hades. And it is a place of torment still because he lifts up his eyes and he asks Abraham to send Lazarus over because Lazarus dies too. But it's interesting, Lazarus is carried by the angels, you know, and he's carried into Abraham's bosom because at that point, no one had yet gone to heaven. It says only Jesus, the one who descended, had been in heaven. And uh, prior to the cross, and Jesus died on the cross, we don't read of anybody being, any human being being in God's presence in heaven. You don't see it anywhere in Scripture. Uh, what you do see is that there's a holding tank, uh, holding facility called Abraham's bosom. Uh, Jesus said to the thief on the cross that died next to him, today you'll be with him in paradise. It was also called paradise because we know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, still didn't go to heaven because when he rose from the dead, after the, during those three days, he wasn't in heaven because when he rose from the dead, Mary grabbed him and was clinging to him. He said, stop clinging to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. So he was in that temporary holding facility where Abraham's bosom, and that's where Lazarus was, and the rich man was begging Abraham to send Lazarus over. I have him dip his finger in water, sick of my tongue because I'm in torment with this thirst. So uh, you're, they're thirsty. There's torment going on. It's a horrible place to go right now, but it's a temporary holding facility. And we often speak, Chad, of, of uh, we use the analogy of like a county jail or a, a state jail where someone is put for a period of time until they face the judge. And then after they face the judge and they're sentenced, then they go to the lake of fire or they go in, in our in our world, you get sentenced after you could be for years even. I mean, we're in the Philippines and I think you guys were there when I was witnessing yep. in a prison and there's all these guys that were newly put there and they might not get, the, the jails were being filled up there's a lot of these guys, and and I gave the analogy, you know, that, hey, the difference between Hades and the Lake of Fire is it's a temporary holding facility, and what you guys are in is like an earthly Hades, and eventually some of you guys are going to go to the state penitentiary or the federal prison, so to speak, uh, and you'll be there for the rest of your lives. And that was dismal to say, but I said, but there's hope, because if you die in the state that you're in right now, you go to Hades, then you'll go to the Lake of Fire forever. And I said, however, if you come to Christ, because right now you can appeal to the judge because he sent his son. And I went to the whole prosecuting attorney, Satan's called like the accused of the brethren. He's accusing you, but the the son's, the son of the judge, you know, uh, is our advocate, it says. And he has the wounds on his hands that he paid for your sins with. And if you claim him as your Lord and Savior, turn to me, repent. I told him that uh, you won't have to go to Hades or Lake of Fire. You can mm-hmm. be saved right now. And when we gave that salvation call, yeah, almost okay. every single yeah. person stood up that they wanted to receive Christ. There was a lot of guys there. And, uh, it's a very effective way to witness, by the way. and But the lake of fire is secondary, but it's horrific because the scriptures say death and Hades, Revelation 20, verse 15, will be thrown into the lake of fire and along with everybody whose name is not written in the book of life. So I want to make sure your name's in the book and that you know Jesus. So there are different areas. So yeah, there is a place of torment right now. It's called Hades. Lake of fire is future. Amen. And I, guys, I, I would encourage you, because it was one of the biggest blessings when I was studying this topic, is simply do a word search on these things. And you see 
I think it's around 10 times that Hades, word, Gehenna, Hades right? is, is used. And also check out Gehenna, and you can see, as we'll get in, uh, I think, a little bit deeper on uh, some of the differences, maybe Sheol, yeah. Gehenna, Lake of Fire, yeah. and some are similarities, some are synonyms. But, yeah, Joe, let, let's sure. keep moving forward, because I know we're, we're, we're working down this topic. Um, this is another question she had. She had, is the current situation for those who die right now, outside of knowing the Lord, temporary, or is it eternal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, and and praise God again for you, your your letter, Sarah Marie. I was able to read that, and my wife had given it to me, and and I was like, yeah, we'll y'all get the chat, and maybe we'll deal with this. And it's a, a lot of great questions, but and it is, and it harks back to the other question in a way, it kind of dovetails that it is temporary, uh, because uh, the good side of Hades, because as I think Walter Martin used to say, there was like East and West Hades, and Abraham's bosom was the good side of Hades. It speaks Hades just speaks of the underworld, right? And when Jesus died on the cross and paid for the sins of Abraham and everybody else, uh, then they were everybody was he was able to vacate that area. He went. The Bible says that uh, he descended into Hades and he delivered that side of Hades into God's hands. It says uh, Ephesians four, he went into the lower parts of the earth. He first descended in the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive in his train. So they were still under the captivity of the, the of death, but they were able to be set free because he paid for their sins. And they were looking forward to the Messiah coming, but they couldn't yet be in the, just like they couldn't go. Only the high priest could go to the Holy of Holies, right? And when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. So now we could all go into God's heavenly presence. So you have a picture of that. So Hades was emptied. Uh, I should say, we could say maybe East Hades, you might call it, was was emptied. And uh, they're all in heaven right now. The Bible speaks of those in heaven that are the spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews chapter uh, 12, I think around verse 23 is that the spirits of just men made perfect are in heaven. So that's a temporary holding facility. And the lake of fire, though, as we'll see in a moment, is forever. Yeah, amen, amen. All right, Joe, so what about the topic of soul sleep? This one is actually, interestingly enough, has become more popular yeah, you're right. even in the Protestant realm. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, typically you would see in uh, people like the SDAs and um, even uh, Jehovah's Witness, I believe. And, yeah, they believe soul sleep. And and so they they would hold to this. So Joe, are our souls asleep, and they are simply to come awake to receive everlasting life or everlasting torment? Uh, absolutely not. There, your soul doesn't sleep. The Bible says the body without the soul is dead. So your body goes into a place of sleep. When Paul uses the metaphor sleep for death, he's talking about the body. Paul certainly didn't think that your spirit was asleep or your soul uh, because Paul said to be absent from the body, 2 Corinthians 5.8, speaking to all Christians, to be absent from the body, he said that to them, is to be present with the Lord. And Paul, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 area, Paul says, I'm torn between these two desires, right? And Chad, what do you say? Yeah, he was stuck in a situation where he would love to simply go and be with the Lord, which would be way better, yeah. or very much better. Very much better, yeah. Very much better. Or to sit there and minister to them. And he said, it's better that he stays and minister to them for their good. Yeah, for know? the sake of bearing fruit, for right? For the sake of bearing fruit. Yeah, so there's another passage right there. He's betwixt between two, as the King James Yeah, if says. he was just going to sleep, it wouldn't be very much better. No. He could just wait until he died. Because I've heard some argumentation from those who do believe in soul sleep that, oh, well, it could be just at an instant. So it's just like you fell asleep, you woke up, and all of a sudden, look, I'm in Germany, you know? I had no idea I was there. And it could be the same way. But how could it be very much better to simply be asleep awaiting that judgment? It makes no sense for his argument. You know, if I could help my brothers and sisters in Christ and and my children and my grandchildren and and, and the lost, and being asleep, even if it feels like a moment before I go with the Lord is very much better than being able to bear fruit in their lives, absolutely 
I don't, I'm sorry, I don't buy it. And also, uh, back to Hebrews uh, 12, you know, where yeah. this, there's a great cloud of witnesses. Right? Yeah. And they're not sleeping, I mean, Chad, in yeah. Revelation chapter 5, under the fifth seal. When that's that's broken, what I was thinking, yeah. You have all these souls <laughs> under the altar. They haven't yet received the resurrected bodies, right? They're waiting the first resurrection, which doesn't happen until Revelation 20. And then they're, they're raised, and it's called the first resurrection. And the souls under the altar are crying out to God. Snooze. How they're, long? Just, they're just snoring. Yeah, they must be snoring, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you cry out to God if you're asleep? They cry out to God, how long, oh God, do you avenge our blood and those who dwell on the earth? And they're given white robes. It doesn't say they're given nighties and they're tucked in by God because they're asleep. No, yeah. they're given white robes and told rest a little while. Meaning they're not resting. They're not sleeping. And that's right there in Revelation 5. And I love you if you believe in soul sleep, but... Go to Revelation 5 and bow down to the scripture and say, okay, yeah, I'm confusing certain other scriptures with, you know, with the idea of the Spirit, and that doesn't apply to the Spirit. Yeah, and, and a lot of this comes from people that are reading only Old Testament verses, and this brings us into the next question. Yeah, talking uh, A lot of times they'll see an Old Testament text and say, oh, look, it says asleep. Even Paul says in 1 Corinthians you know, 15, some of, you have, some of them have fallen asleep and they'll, they'll point to those texts and they will i mean use those over and over again not understanding so many scriptures that are clearly revealing to us that people are actually awake right now but nonetheless joe it's what is the difference and i and this will this will close out this show the difference between hades sheol the grave the lake of fire and hell what what are the differences there and also which ones that might be synonyms for one another no and that's a great question and and that kind of dovetails back to that last question in a way, because uh, some people take, as you point out, Chad, they'll take scriptures like the dead are conscious of nothing. No, yeah. like the conscious of nothing. He's talking about Sheol. And Ecclesiastes is like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? Yeah, the soul, the soul is very conscious. Look at the rich man in, in Hades. Look at Lazarus. Okay, look at Abraham. The, Abraham. <laughs> he, he's communicating that, you know, look at the spirits, the souls of the dolls. We can go back through all that. But uh, the scriptures sometimes speak of the body. And we see in Ecclesiastes, he's speaking from a very human perspective, then he shows God's perspective. And uh, sometimes Sheol is used of those in the grave who are conscious of nothing. But other times, even in the Old Testament, it's used of spirits who are very much alive. And that's, for instance, back to Isaiah 14. The spirits are aroused and they, they say to Satan of the kings, and they're saying, you've been made like us. You're weak like we are. They're very conscientious. They're not sleeping. So the JWs, they'll teach, the witnesses, they'll teach that, yeah, everybody's asleep, and then then they'll be raised, and they'll be sent to Lake of Fire, and then they're annihilated, so there's no real torment and so forth. Well, they're skipping Hades, which is a very ugly situation, and they're skipping, skipping the Lake of Fire, Chad, which is very different. So now we're looking at the grave. Sheol can be used of the spirits aroused. They're very conscious, or it can be used of the grave. But Hades is different than hell. That's where people go now that reject Christ. And the Lake of Fire is very clearly eternal, it says in Revelation 14, those who take the mark of the beast, they'll go to the lake of fire, and they have no rest day and night forever and ever. And then, in, and then at the end of Revelation 19, Jesus returns in verse 11. Uh, he, King of kings, Lord of lords, and with all of his angels, and guess what happens, man? He comes back and it says the beast was taken in verse 21 or 2 there. The beast was taken with him, the false prophet who did miracles in his presence to get, dupe all the people, and they're thrown alive in the lake of fire. Then a thousand years go by, Satan lets loose, let loose because he's bound for a thousand years. Then after a thousand years, he's thrown in the lake of fire. In Revelation 20.10, Chad, it says, Satan is thrown in the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. They're still there over a thousand years later, and they will be tormented, Satan now with them, forever and ever. So you can't get around those verses and teach annihilationism. And all these scriptures should call, all, cause all of us to obey Jesus who said, don't fear man. 
but fear who's able to destroy your body, but fear God who's able to destroy your body and your soul in hell. Make sure you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and you and, and that you're saved and you put your trust on him because otherwise this will be one of the messages that will torment you forever because you've been warned. We Amen. love you. God bless you guys. You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.